Ron Ananian. My perspective is just because somebody has Subaru over their doorway or Chevy or Ford or RA Automotive or whatever, it's a repair shop is only as good as the people inside the place. The Car Doctor. You can tell we're family here because, you know, the last time you took Tony and I for a drive, I remember you pulled over, turned around, and said, make me stop this car again. <laughs> well, that's because you guys weren't wearing your seatbelts. <laughs> we were wearing our Car Doctor shirt. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, welcome. Come on in. Ron and Andy, the car doctor. 855-560-9900 is the phone number. Cardoctorshow.com, as always. And uh, more information there, as well as podcasting, as well as get out to TuneIn, iHeart, iTunes, and uh, Google Play, and uh, you can find more podcasts about this radio show there, more so than ever. And, you know, we appreciate it. Frank just called in from Rockland County. We are going to miss Rockland County. That's all I'll say about that. But um, uh, we appreciate Frank calling in and um, reminding us that yesterday was uh, Veterans Day and uh, we should have done something for the veterans. Uh, He's right. You know what? We've all got to recognize the fact that yesterday was Veterans Day, and we just don't need a day to be nice to the veterans. We should be nice and think about the veterans every day because – for all the things we're around here crabbing about, A, it's the veterans that give us the ability and the right to do that, and B, um, you know what, they've got worse troubles than we do, especially the folks that are uh, overseas right now defending this great nation of ours, and um, we should all bow our heads in prayer and say, uh, you know, thank you uh, for that and uh, all that they do, and stop complaining about whether or not your cup of coffee is too hot or too cold or too big or too small. So, But anyway, this is the Car Doctor Radio Show. And uh, I understand the phones are just backed up, so Tom's yelling at me. He says, you got to get right to the call. So let's get over and kick the garage doors open right away, and uh, let's go see, talk to Connie in Old Saybrook, Connecticut. Connie, welcome to the car doctor. Welcome back to the car doctor. It's been a couple of years. How can I help you today? Hi, Ron. Thank you so much You're for welcome. taking my call. I think you've had a chance to to read all the details I've sent over to you. All 700 pages of it. Holy cow. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, you know, Connie, and, and you know, for everyone else, Connie's got a 2015. Where did it go? Connie's got a 2015. Help me out here, Connie. You got a 2015 Honda Fit. Yeah. That's that's got a problem with the air conditioning system. There's a smell coming out of it. That's that's mildewy, and known problem. There were some recalls or updates and bulletins, and they did all that, and you still got the issue, correct? Yes, and it was then discovered that there were water leaks in the car that had been undiscovered for a long time. And that, of course, contributed to, I guess... The mildew, sure. Yep. Yep. And so now I have a car that I I wheeze in when I climb in. You open the door, you're bowled over by the smell. You turn on the air conditioner or heater, and it just is really bad... To if, breathe that stuff in. if if you feel around on the carpet with your hands down around in the corners around the base and underneath the seats is it wet does it does it feel damp does it feel um i haven't 
done that in a while. They did find water leaks from the moon roof being defective, which they replaced. And then the seals around three of the doors were defective, and they replaced those. Water had leaked in. But if I went out there to the car now, if I felt the carpet, I don't know. I'd like to think there wasn't, but there has been. Well, because my experience has been that depending upon how bad of a water leak the vehicle has, Mm -hmm. it will, you know, it, it just the carpet never really dries out. Unless you pull the carpet out of the vehicle, you gut the car. You pull the carpet out of the vehicle, you dry the carpet or replace it, and then you have to wash the inside of the floor pan with Lysol soap and water to, to you know get the mold and the bacteria out of there, depending upon how bad the water leak was. So I'm just curious. That could be why they're not getting it any any cleaner or getting rid of the smell any more than they already have. So let me ask you this question. If you go into another 2015 or a 2016 Honda Fit, do you get the smell? No. Okay. So it's not you, and that's the point I'm trying to make. It's not something, because I have seen that, too. I have seen cases where manufacturers use a particular chemical to assemble a vehicle, and some people, it's rare, but it happens where they'll they'll have a reaction to it. So, you know, step number one, if you really like the body style and you're thinking about getting another vehicle, another fit like your email describes to me, uh, you know, just make sure that if you spent a day or two, a little cockpit time in the in the vehicle, that you don't have that particular problem. There's no reaction to that vehicle as far as how it was assembled and with what, you know, chemicals and materials. Um, that would be my first thought. Um, but you had a question about Carfax, too, correct? Well, it has now. Uh, when I went to check on my vehicle to see what it reads as far as all the um, hits, service calls, it now has 20 on there. Oof. And if I were, as I was, looking for a pre-owned car, came upon one that sounded right, checked the Carfax, that, that's a good indicator to me that, that it's helpful in determining, okay, is this, right. what has the car been through? Now, if anyone, if I tried to sell mine, my thoughts are nobody is going to ever give me a fair deal on a car that has that many workmanship. Of course not. Service calls. Yeah, of course not. Absolutely not. And they're telling me otherwise. They're saying, oh, but they're all under warranty, so that won't be a problem. Really? So in other words, they're telling you that they'll give you as much on trade as any other 2015 Honda Fit? Well, American Honda themselves told me that, not that I shouldn't worry about that. That shouldn't be an issue. But the dealership offered me an offer that's below Kelly Blue Book. They recognize and admit that the car is a problem, in their words, a problem car. Right. But they said, we'll give you a good deal. And they came back with that offer of less than median Kelly Blue Book. And... I'd have to come up with $7,700. So so how is that a good deal? It's a good deal for them. You want a good deal for you. Exactly, exactly. And I, and that's my thought. That, that's exactly my thought. How? So right there, that tells me this is not a reputable dealership for me to be working with or doing anything more with, but they're not taking any further responsibility. Right. You know, my father is gone. Let's see. I was 11. I'm uh, 49 years. 
And I still remember as a kid sitting at the kitchen table, listening to him talk about the rug store in Englewood, New Jersey. And he'd say to my mom, you know, there's no such thing as a new customer. There's just a customer that came in from somewhere else that they got ticked off and they left that guy and they came to me. So I've got to be really good when I get a new customer in to lay rug that I do the job as perfect as I can. And and it sounds like that's what Honda doesn't realize. There's no such thing as a new customer. There's just a car buyer from another brand or dealership that just wasn't happy. And, you know, here's their opportunity to make them happy, and they're not doing a great job at it. And they've got to, they've got to recognize that. I think your argument lies with American Honda, not the dealership. Mm-hmm. And I think your argument, because, listen, I understand the dealer is the distributor, but they're the manufacturer. And if that vehicle still has, you know, water damage or, you know, if you've suffered um, – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? If you've suffered damage – as far as the retail value, if you have that in writing, do you have that in writing, their offer of below Kelly Blue Book that the dealership gave you, Connie? No, no, and I've requested, I've requested from, no, I don't, oh, excuse me, yes, I do have. If you have it in writing, always get the offer, always get anything like this in writing, because here's what you're going to do. You're going to take that, and now you've got the proof, here's the offer, and I would I would go talk to a lawyer, and I realize that's going to cost some bucks, but I think you've got a legal case here, or I think you've at least got some lemon law, because somebody's got to explain to you why, if every other 2015 Honda Fit is worth X, you're getting a quote of $3,000 less than X. That doesn't make any sense. Either that or these guys are just hustlers and they're trying to take advantage of you. Well, I, I hate to say it, but I'm... That's how I feel. Right. That's, that's That was immediately how I felt. Right. And thinking that they can get away with it. Well, and, you know, the sad part is, and here's what, I, here's what people don't understand. If they made you happy and they dug into their pocket and they've got, listen, there's money in an account somewhere at that dealership to make every, you know, customer with a problem. I think so to make every customer with a problem that's got a real problem happy, not the dreamers, but the realistic people, you know what? You'll be the best advertising mouthpiece on the planet. It's so true. But now you're going to be the negative advertising mouthpiece because I, I get a sense that your next thing that you're going to do is to write a letter to the editor of a local newspaper and perhaps get one of the uh, television media news channels on your side and you know, then talk to American Honda, and you're not going to let this go. Um, I just get a sense that you're going to dig in deep and go for the long haul. This is exactly true, yeah. Um, Even the local radio station, someone just said to me this morning, I'd go to those troubleshooters. Right, yeah. You need to to gain some exposure. And I don't care if it's, you know, put a big yellow ribbon on the car and park it out in front of the dealership every day with a sign on it purchased at this dealership for this and this is what it's worth now. Don't ever buy a car here. You know what? That's I think I think you're I th- I think and I would check with a lawyer, but I think you're allowed to do that. That's freedom of speech and freedom of expression in this country. And that's what this last election was all about. This still is a democracy. It hasn't turned into a kingdom. So um I would I would start to approach how can you get more exposure for this but by all means I think the Kelly Blue Book value is low I think the Carfax thing is indicating you're taking a hit if you can get Lemon Law get Lemon Law but I would stay away from Honda if this is going to be their attitude this is how they want to fix it to me they're fixing it the wrong way Connie I wish you luck if I can do anything else for you you know where to find me eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor coming back right after this. You have- 
Welcome back. We're on the the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. By the way, keep in mind, streaming from cardoctorshow.com when you're affiliate. We're going to lose an affiliate this week. I can't say where, but uh, we know we're going to lose an affiliate this week. And uh, um, if you're listening to us and you find us not here next week and you want to tune in, get to cardoctorshow.com, and you can stream us right from the website, and uh, we can take it to you there. And uh, you can write your radio station and tell them what a bunch of boneheads they are. So let's get over and talk to Walt in Maui, Hawaii. Don't worry, Walt. It's not you. Um, it's not your radio station. How can I help you today, sir? Hey, good morning or afternoon there, Ron. Uh, I was on the Internet looking uh, for something totally unrelated, but I happened to come across some uh, information on memory holders for the PCM and the radio when you have the battery disconnected from right. the vehicle. Yep. And uh, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit of what you think about them. It seems like the the two choices are one plugs into the DC uh, the DT ECL plug. Right. The other one is in the cigarette lighter, which is really called a power supply now. Yeah, and I like I like the one that goes into the DCL Walt because to me it's more reliable, it's more consistent. The problem with the cigarette lighter version is it depends on what the manufacturer is doing. Believe it or not, there's some manufacturers out there that don't power the cigarette lighter unless the key is on. I've seen it. Um, so you know it's not necessarily always a hot link if the vehicle is off. It's really kind of dopey. Um, the only way I can be assured is if the key, if, if if I use a DCL, if I have to turn the key on to activate the cigarette lighter circuit, then what's the point in trying to have a memory saver? It's kind of self-defeating. So I like, we use the one in the shop from OTC. Uh, it's a little blue box. I don't know the part number off the top of my head. You'll find them out online or tooltopia.com has them or Amazon will have them. Um, makes a good product. It takes a beating. Um, you know, we've had the one in the shop now. It's probably five, six years old. Uh, from OTC, and they haven't changed it in a long time, which tells me that it's a it's a good product. They haven't any issues with it, and um, that goes in through the DCL, and it's it's worked just about every time we've used it. And if it hasn't, it's because the vehicle doesn't have that capacity through the DCL. What's the name of the tool? Uh, it's from OTC. You'll you'll find it at OTCTools.com, but you can purchase it online places. I I was just on the Tooltopia. Dot com website, which is you know separate from them. OTC doesn't sell direct on the web. You can go to tool, tooltopia.com and purchase it there. I've seen it there. Um, I think it's a hundred, a hundred and forty bucks, something like that, off the top of my head. Um, little blue box. It looks like a jump pack, but smaller. Uh, you know. Now the other thing you could do is you could purchase a jump pack that has a DCL connection to it. I've seen those out there. I don't know any brand off the top of my head. And then at least you've got, you know, two-in-one. You've got a booster pack, and you've got a battery memory saver, which sort of go hand-in-hand. Hand. Those are on the marketplace, too. When we purchased our our uh, memory saver from OTC, it was, yeah, five, six, probably seven years ago. Jump packs weren't as big a um, a big an item then, and they didn't all necessarily have, uh, you know, uh, the combination of uh, memory saver and booster pack, if that makes any sense. Now, do you actually recommend using one when you're disconnecting the battery? Yeah, from the absolutely. Vehicle? Absolutely. Listen, on newer vehicles, we'll go one step further. If we're changing a battery out of maintenance, we will, depending upon how complicated the vehicle is and depending upon you know how busy we are in the shop, we're not akin to throwing a scan tool on it and using the launch tools. We use we use a little launch, um, the launch pad. 
their X431, their new 9-inch um, Android tool, uh, you know, we will take that and throw it in and do a system scan. You know, and it's nice. It's wireless. It plugs into the under dash connector. You can stand outside the car, bring it up, hit it, system scan, walk away for five minutes. It'll scan all the modules. And the reason I'll do that before I'm doing a battery out of maintenance, if I do lose memory, I want to know what codes are in there because that's critical to me. I don't want somebody coming back to me in two weeks. You know, since you changed the battery, whoa, wait a minute. Before I change the battery, there's the code that was in it because here's the print and here's the time of day, and that's why I do it like that. So it kind of ends the conversation as far as ever since. You know, we don't like ever since in the shop. Ever since is a pain in the neck. Okay. Um, well, the others, one, one last thing on this is that there's several uh, uh, YouTube-type sites that show ones that you can make, uh, which are way cheaper than what the OTC one would be. Uh, what do you think about them? Making stuff that works? Yeah. What, are they, what are they using for power, and where are they going in, the, the DCL or the cigarette lighter? There's both options. Uh, they, some, some use a 9-volt battery. Others use uh, connected to a car 12 volt battery, and then there's some that uses a that use a plug-in um, you know, transformer that transforms the electricity back to nine volts. You ever you ever, you ever you ever blow up a car computer, Walt? Uh, not intentionally. Right. So it's a great feeling, isn't it? <laughs> and and I guess the point I'm trying to make is, you know what? In my mind, if you're out there, and I'm not saying you. But the people that are out there using YouTube to show you how to shortcut using a memory saver to maintain memory in a car, in, in, in a vehicle when you disconnect the battery, I think they're idiots. All right. Oh, okay. And, and, and they're out, but I'll defend my argument. Okay. When you look at the price of a module on a vehicle today, when you look at the cost factor in terms of what it takes to replace the module in addition to the cost of the module, I don't care if it was $500 I'd buy a memory saver because at least I know I'm using the industry-accepted method of trying to protect the vehicle and the electronics. All right? You know, I know you're a longtime listener, Walt. Go back a couple of months in your mind. Do you remember I was talking about the associated jump pack and how that was the only one approved by General Motors and the safety and the problems that they're having with jump packs and, and modules? Same thing. We're dealing with electronics. We want to be as careful as we possibly can be. Hey, Walt, I appreciate the call and uh, aloha, babe. I'm Ron Anani in the Car Doctor. Be back right after this. back. Ron and Andy, the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900, cardoctorshow.com. And uh, you can stream the radio show from there. And trust me, if you're listening on a local affiliate, you're going to want to know that because come next week, you're going to be surprised. Cardoctorshow.com, you can stream the radio show from there as well while you're straightening out your radio station that was a did a bonehead maneuver and got rid of it. So um, along with everything else, wait till you see Monday. Oh boy. Yes, Do you need a hug? I need a, I don't need a hug. I know, I know some people that are going to need a hug somewhere else, but um, I know a secret. 
<laughs> I'm telling you, come Monday morning, there's a certain group of people in this country that are going to be really surprised. They're going to get blindsided. They're going to get blindsided when they turn on their radio. It's going to be like, oops. So, But um, we'll see. It's been a pleasure talking to them, I can tell you that. So anyway, um, what were we doing? Oh, real quick, before I go to the phones. Um, by the way, if you Google uh, celebrities that threaten to leave the country if Trump got elected president, there's like a list of 70 people. It's it's we're not going to have anything to watch on TV. Thank God we can turn off TV and listen to radio. That'll be a plus. I knew there was a good reason. So let's get over and talk to uh, let's go talk to uh, David on line two. I want to see about this. A 1952 tractor. Really? This is what the show has come down to. Sure. Why not? What the heck? As long as we don't have to talk about six and 12 volt systems, David, I'm game. What do you got? Uh, I got this 52 uh, 900 series Ford. It's got a 12-volt battery in it. Okay. It's ground. Right. And try to start it, and it just turns over, and it acts like it ain't getting no spark. And if you take the spark plug wire and pull it off the spark plug, it's no spark coming out. Take the cap off, and it's rotating, and put a new new rotor on it. It didn't make no difference. So I tried checking the spark out of the coil, and it, and it jumps like a half inch to the... To, you know, to a ground, and then I tried a new cap on it, and the new cap didn't look, the old one didn't look bad, but I put a new one on it, and it started up, and it run for like 15 minutes. And, and then it what, then it, won't, then it won't start? And then it, won't, it just shuts off, like you cut the key off, and then it won't restart. And if you take the coal wire and pull it out of the distributor and check it for spark, it's got it, and if you stick it up against number three, Three tar- number three spark plug terminal, the engine will start and run. But I can't figure out what's going on. Okay. And, and the rotor's good. Can we tap new plugs? Let's here. Let's do this. Let's let's troubleshoot this. I don't I don't care if it's a tractor, a car, a bus, a you know I don't care what it is. It's it's an engine with an ignition system. So you know, two things I want you to do. Do you have a voltmeter? Can you tell me what the voltage is at the positive side of the coil while cranking? And I, think I checked it. it was right twelve four. Okay, so we've got twelve volts there, and then there's probably no way for you to check the ground side um, at that point because you, yeah, you kind of need a scope to see a signal. But you know, then the next thing I'd want to know is, do you have a spark tester or are you just using a screwdriver? Well, I was using a screwdriver to open and close the points. I got one of them testers where you can plug into the second spark on, you know, between the wire and and right. spark and, plug. And, and and make a make an estimated gap to see is it putting out twenty thousand volts, thirty thousand volts, that kind of thing. No, it don't have where it's adjustable or anything. No, um, that's where that goes to the spark plug. I can hold it in my hand. It's it's no current at all comes out of it. Well, but my 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 point is. And I get that, but at some point, at some point, you may need a spark plug tester for this, which will duplicate the way the plug has to work to fire itself in the cylinder. To check the voltage. Right, correct. So they're cheap enough. If you've got an O'Reilly Auto Parts in your neck of the woods, you'll walk in there. It's probably a $20 tool, a $25 tool. It's, a, it's an adjustable spark tester. They call it. You can use it on a car. You can use it on a tractor, anything with an ignition system. So it's a good little thing to have in the toolbox. You might even be able to find it at their website. You know, if, if you get out to O'ReillyAuto.com, you could find it there. So that being said, um, y- y- it sounds like you're losing ignition 
after 20 minutes of running. So my question is, is the coil the issue here? Do we have a coil problem? And that's that's one of the things that that spark tester should tell us because that spark tester will load the coil. It's like this. Inside the cylinder, that spark plug is under 7,500 pounds of compression, more depending upon the vehicle, right? It's, it's harder for the coil to push electrical energy across a 100 PSI gap than it is if you take that spark plug with a 35 thousandths gap and put it out in atmosphere where there's less pressure than it is for it to do it there. So the idea of the adjustable gap is you're going to increase the size of the gap and make the coil work harder and duplicate the amount of stress the coil is working under when you've got a plug in a cylinder under 100 PSI versus a plug or a screwdriver handle outside of the cylinder working an atmosphere of about 14 and a half, 15 pounds per square inch. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So that's why I want you to get a spark tester. So you're saying that you will replace, it works with the coil, the coil will fire number three, somehow it's getting lost going through the distributor. Yeah, and I put a new cap on, like I say, and no carbon tracks or anything inside of it, and it's turned around, you know, and it run it when I hooked it direct. Well, it run when I put the new cap on for like 15 minutes and then just shut down. Okay. I'm just out of curiosity. Are we sure we've got correct cap and rotor? Well, I've tried two different caps and, and two different rotors. Uh, for that series tractor, it's it's basically... It, it's one or the other. It's, the, it's this one and this. in the very front, but this is a side description. Do you have a cap that you think is bad? No, the caps look all right, just visual looking at them. Well, the the, the reason I was asking is I'm just just thinking outside the box. I'd be curious to see if you cut a small window in one of the caps. Obviously, you're destroying the cap at that point. I'm just wondering if when you're putting the cap on, are you lining the button up with the center of the rotor? Because if if spark's coming out of the wire and you plug it into the cap, it's got to hit the rotor. If it's not hitting the rotor, where is it going? Either the rotor is punched and it's shortened down to the distributor shaft, or the button isn't lined up with the uh, the button in the cap isn't lined up with the rotor, right? Where else can it be? Well, it's got 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 like a uh, shield underneath the cap, and it helps line everything up and, and put it into place. So it can't it can't possibly be it wrong. Can't be off to the side or anything because it just fits together and that's it. Okay, and and the rotor can't be too sh- too low on the shaft that it's got to be making contact with the center button well it's got like a piece of metal on the bottom of the shaft and i checked and that piece of metal still under there and it's it tightens up the uh, rotor so when you put the rotor on there it tightens it up to the shaft and it can't go down but so far you know it, it it's, it's designed built it should be in price right now if if you've got voltage on the positive side um, if you were to, I wonder what you would see if, do you have a timing light? Yes. I wonder what you would see if you put a timing light on that coil wire with the light blink. On the output of it. Right. On the secondary, on the secondary wire. I wonder if you would see, I wonder if you would see that light blink. And if you see the light blink, you know, the coil's discharging and it's making signal. Now it's now you got to get it through the distributor somehow. There's got to be something in that distributor shorting to ground, creating the issue. But it's got the uh, 
starter selling on, on it, and it's got the four posts four post on it. It's got the two small posts and then the two big ones. It's got the condition and, the, and then the coal. Can you, can you send me a picture of this distributor, David? I don't have no computer. Oh. Um, hmm. Because I'd love to see how this cap and rotor line up. If you've got if you've got spark coming out of the coil, and tell me again how it doesn't start. Well, after I put the cap on and, and it run, then when it shuts down. But any other time, you try you crank it over, and the spark that comes out of the coil when you check it, it's the, it's there. But then after you put it into the coil into the descriptor, the wire's coming out. You can check them, and it's nothing coming out. It's like it's not making connections, you know. Like right. The spark went in, but it's not coming out. Right. And my question is, is the spark really going in? Can we do this? Can you check that with a timing light and tell me and call me back next week? Because that, that that much you can do. And then if you can get your hands on a spark tester, can you tell me where it will – if you put that spark plug, that spark tester in the coil wire, you know, and you one clip the ground and, and across the spark tester – can you get correct spark? I would have to think that system would have to make twenty twenty five thousand volts easy. Um, can you get that coil to fire? I'm just would wondering. Be, be a, just a possibility. To just try a different coil. On it. If, if you, I have one of the same size and everything. Right. If you have one, it wouldn't hurt. You know, if we want to swap something. Um, I'm just wondering, do we have a strong enough coil to go through but the electrical circuit like that? Would be a possibility that somebody. Put that system together and never put a resistor in it, and and the coal's breaking down. Well, I would think if somebody if that system required a resistor, a ballast resistor on the primary side, you'd be burning up the points. Well, the points looked all right. Right. Now let me ask you this: How old's the condenser? Well, it was just changed, just recent. Put well, another one in it. When did the problem start? Before or after the condenser change? Before it was just running and it just shut off like you cut the key off right so so the condenser was replaced as part of maybe this is the solution the points, yeah the yeah condenser and rotor button right if you look at the points do the points look okay are they wearing evenly are they pitted on more on one side than the other it don't show no problem with them nowhere do you have a dwell so meter take the cap off and and rotate it it the points just open and close like they're supposed to right and, and the spark comes out of the uh Coal, coal. Do you have a dwell meter, David? Yes. Okay. Um, if you if you watch it while it's running, dwell looks steady. It doesn't bounce around. Well, I've never had it running long enough to check it. Well, no. You said that you can have it running for fifteen minutes, but then it won't well, restart. It, it only happened one time when I was trying to start. I tried different, you know, stuff like rotor button, and new coal war, and and each time it would it still wouldn't spark. Or okay. anything going to the engine. And back back to square one. Let's get a spark tester on this. Let's see what that coil has the ability to put out. Okay. Co- coil's a coil. All right. It's got to put out spark. It's got to put out 20, 25,000 volts. So let's get a spark tester. Let's get over to an O'Reilly Auto Parts, and let's see what um, that gets us. And you call me back next week. 855-560-9900. The car doctor's coming back. Don't go away. Daddy's car 
welcome back. We're on the car, Doctor. Let's get over and talk to Danny, Northern Maine, 2013, Isuzu Ascender, and uh, see what's going on here. Hey, Danny, what's, what's up? Oh, thank you for the opportunity. Okay, yes, sir. I just purchased a 2003 uh, Ascender, same as the Envoy and Trailblazer, right. 100,000 miles, and uh, it's this is very intimate. There are two problems. One of them, there's a slight, it doesn't stall, but ever so often I have a slight hesitation where it wants to stall, and it doesn't. Okay. Uh, I've changed the plugs, uh, fuel filter, um, Pretty much, well, I didn't change uh, the cap and rotor, but I've, uh, that's what I did change, and it still does it. The other issue is uh, when it idles, it has a slight vibration like a diesel, and uh, but it, I have no codes on the engine, nothing at all. It, the fuel economy is great. Uh, the car runs great, uh, but those are just two little issues, and that's, I, I can't figure them out anymore. So you know, the, I'm giving you a call. The the engine running rough issue, they did have some known issues, um, you know, again, speaking from the Trailblazer side and the Envoy side, because, you know, the Asuzu's been gone, I mean, how many years in the country, so the pattern failures aren't really yeah. there. I haven't seen an Asuzu in the shop in probably four years. The cars just don't seem to exist. But I can tell you from the Trailblazer Envoy side of things that we do see some issues with motor mounts, uh, particularly when they're cold, um, start it up cold and, um, you know, put it in gear, and it's got a little bit of a rough idle. Let me ask you this. When, when it has this vibration problem, if you pop it into neutral, does the engine roughness go away? No, it's still there. It's still I there. So the engine is yeah. physically running rough. No, it's not the engine. It, it sounds more like a vibration. It, no, it's not running rough. It's a vibration uh, similar to a diesel vibration. Okay, I'll tell you what. Don't go away. Let me pull over and take a pause here, Danny. I'm running Andy in the car, Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the the car doctor. Let me get right into this. Danny, you're still there? Yes, still okay. here. So this is a 4.2 inline 6, correct? That That's correct. All right. Is this coil on plug or this has spark plug wires? This, uh, this is coil, coil on plug. This is coil on plug. Okay. So you did spark plugs. Did you happen to notice any signs of water getting into the back two spark plug wells? No. Okay. I, I, I wasn't looking, but when I took the plugs out, I didn't see anything. Okay. It has no fault codes. How have you checked for codes? I uh, used the scanner, and I've checked, and I uh, didn't, the check-in light didn't come on, and I've, uh, I've, I've checked and checked, and nothing right. comes up. So you're looking, at, you're looking for codes stored current. Have you looked at anything in regards to pending, things that are about to no. happen? That would be my, first, that would be my no. second question. My third question is, depending upon what scan tool you have, can you look at mode six? Are you familiar with the term? Yep. You are. Can you yep. can you look at mode six to see what sort of misfire events might be happening? In other words, what I'm trying to determine is, is this a misfire, the roughness that you're feeling, or is it something else unrelated? So okay. I'd, I'd want to know I, what I'd want to know what mode six is looking like. I'm still not ruling okay, out the possibility of a mount. I've seen more than a few mounts, engine mounts, be a problem with these. 
Um, there's okay. also a bulletin, if I remember right, for the rear trans mount getting rocks in it, as crazy as it sounds, and creating a vibration like you're describing. The thing is, though, and I don't know if that's normal, uh, when I shut it off, it has it, it appears, and I can't, to have like a slight dieseling, you know, it goes, broom. it doesn't shut off, it doesn't cut off like a it doesn't It doesn't cut off clean. To, well, That's right. There it, you go. Right. And it, that that and of itself could be something else. I wonder how dirty, if at all, is the throttle body. I wonder where fuel trim is. Is fuel trim in the window? Is it encroaching the point where it's going to set a fault code? And I'd want to just know, you know, I'd want to know what did it have the latest software updates and calibrations in it. Some things for you to do, Danny. You got your homework cut out for you. And uh, we can talk again next week. To my friends in Rockland, it's been a pleasure. Aloha. I'm Ron Anany in the car, Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.